0: Today, we try to answer the question, is it a concentration camp or is it a health spa? <laughs> it's one of the two. One of the two. We, we take you to uh, Australia uh, today on today's uh, program. We also talk a little bit about the gas prices and what's really going on. And Neocons Celebrate. Maybe another war is coming. Holy cow, the things that are so dangerous around the world because of this administration.
1: You'll uh, hear throughout the program, Glenn Butcher, the web address for merchandise. Uh, we thought we maybe give it to you the right way, right here. GlennBeckMerch.com. GlennBeckMerch.com. <laughs> That's not what I had. That's, you didn't give that to me until late. That's true. GlennBeckMerch.com. The code is Glenn20 if you want to save 20% off of, uh, I don't know that Merch. person who loves america their christmas present yeah. uh go there check it out glennbeckmerch.com code uh glenn20 and you can save right now special 25 percent off your blaze tv subscription at blaze tv.com slash glenn code glenn25
0: you uh you need the uh, let's go brandon sweatshirt i'm just saying every good love america loving uh, red white and blue blooded person needs let's go brandon Amen.
2: To the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hang on, I need the I need the music for the president of the Grandkid or some odd little kitchen? My number. Biden came out uh, last
0: week. Okay, enough. Biden came out last week and talked about um, the uh, supply chain and said it's not going to be a problem. Well, let me just tell you, the Food and Drug Administration is now warning that the supply chain bottleneck is threatening the availability of over a hundred pharmaceutical products, according to the website. The agency has asked manufacturers to evaluate their entire supply chain, including active pharmaceutical ingredients, finished dosed forms and any components. And yeah, they're saying that there might be some shortage on, of heart medications, antibiotics and cancer drugs.
2: But other than that, Santa Claus is coming to town.
0: This is this is
2: what Biden said. If you've watched the news recently, you might think the shelves in all our stores are empty and parents won't be able to get presents for their children on the holidays. But here's the deal. No joke. For the vast majority of the country, that's not happening. Seriously. Because of the actions of the administration that we've taken in partnership with business and labor retailers and grocery stores and <laughs> Now I can't promise everybody's going to get the gift they want on time. Only Santa Claus can keep that promise. I also can't promise you that you can get your cancer treatments or your, uh, you know, or your your blood pressure medicine or heart medicine, because um, well, it's not happening.
0: Okay, um, I think maybe we should start taking things seriously. Has this government done anything to protect? Our critical infrastructure. The first thing we should have done after COVID was, hey, we're going to make sure that medicine is available here. That we actually make some critical ingredients for medicines. We didn't do it. Now, instead, we made sure that we have critical infrastructure in case there's ever a war. We have a strategic oil reserve. Except let's open it up for gasoline. Because... Well, we shut down all the pipelines and gas is getting really, really pricey. So let's open up the strategic oil reserves and make the price go down 1.8 cents, not two cents, 1.8. When are we going to replace that in our strategic oil reserves? I want to talk to I want to talk to Tim Stewart. He is the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. Hi, Tim. How are you?
3: Glenn, good morning. It feels like 1973 all over again. Doesn't, doesn't it? it?
0: It's, it's crazy. crazy. So, for, hang on. Full disclosure: uh, Tim is the brother of uh, the guy who runs my ranch. Listen to this. You want to talk about a family? The guy who runs my ranch, who also happens to be—he was a full bird, bird colonel, was he not in the Air Force?
3: He was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, your brother, your other brother, is a federal judge. And your other brother, your other brother is a congressman. But other than this lazy
3: family stuff,
0: what do you have to show for it?
3: This is <laughs> well, one you I'm probably little- ought to meet. You probably ought to meet my sisters, actually, because my sisters are far more impressive than the the deadbeat brothers that are in the family. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm the weak link in all of this. I'm the weak link in all of this. So I understand. Right.
0: I know you're only the president of U.S. Oil and Gas Association. So (laughs) so tell me um, what is happening and what what's true uh, on the oil and gas situation? What are we really expecting (laughs)
3: Well, sure, but first, you know, you start out talking supply chain. There's 6,000 items that are made from petroleum products. Yep. You know, that's everything from toolboxes and petroleum jelly to football cleats and everything else. And you can't address the supply chain constraints without addressing the ingredients and the base materials that go into building out the supply chain, the supplies for the chain. And the administration, I think, is, uh, you know, when I say we're going back to 1973, it really is. I've been telling people like you call it feckless, you call it reckless, but it sure is an energy policy. Glenn, what you have is uh, I think I think you have a, a situation where people energy policy is being dictated by people who haven't driven themselves to work for years. Mm-hmm. This is the classic administration, you know, Wall Street, white shoe, DC law firm, revolving door, where people who have been picked up in black sedans for years are now being driven to their offices. make energy policy for the rest of us it's really really frustrating for those of us schleps who actually have to fill up twice a week
0: so can we go back to where you started before we go to gas let's go back the the products that are made from petroleum um you know i used to be a good friend before he passed away of john huntsman and i went to his office and in his lobby he had this like miniature house that was cut in half and it showed everything that petroleum was involved in and i mean it's everything it's everything right how does everything. how does the the uh the world live without a healthy supply of petroleum
3: well it's you know it's not just gasoline and that that i think is where the administration really uh, misses the mark is is they think, well, we can drop two cents from actions that we did or didn't take, and boy, look how great we are. But the reality is is anybody who is waiting for anything to be made or is trying to make anything relies solely on this base material, of which we have in absolute abundance across the world, and particularly in the U.S., and yet, for whatever reason, this is sort of that, that ideological approach that if it is something that may or may not contribute to a carbon footprint, then it's bad. And that's the whole problem, I think, is is you have this administration, you have this confluence of events where administration arrives at the same time as demand is starting to increase after COVID, and that administration starts to make bad decisions on day one, and literally every week they make bad decisions with regards to how do we ensure a basic supply of the basic materials we need? Well,
0: now we're now we're talking, I mean, they just did, and talking about opening it up a second time, the strategic oil reserve, which I'm not for yeah. when a Republican president does it. That is for strategic purposes. And, right. uh, you know, maybe that's to keep the gas price down if you know it's going to come back down. But with this administration, if they continue to follow what they're doing, gas prices or oil prices will not come down they'll get higher and higher as they
3: squeeze even tighter
0: and tighter on these companies am i right you know,
3: you're, you're you know you're exactly right and if i could just for a second you know the, the administration opened up the strategic petroleum reserve in in response to being told no by opec you know they went to opec and begged please increase production well no we're going to keep it at what we had planned OPEC would told them and so the administration came back and said well we need to show we need to do something. So, let uh, see, what do we do? Let's dust off the old Marxist playbook that was used by Venezuela. Let's one, accuse industry of being a cartel or colluding for, for higher prices. And two, we'll, we'll drop more out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Some perspective, 50 million barrels sounds like a big number. Reality is, Glenn, that represents one half of one day of global energy consumption. It's less than two and a half days of U.S. consumption. But the White House wanted to say, look, we're releasing 50 million barrels because it sounds like a big number. But compared to global crude consumption, it's it's a rounding error. It's tiny. And the markets laughed it off. You know, within six hours, the price of crude had actually increased. So, So it was... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm I'm baffled myself. I just I, say, yeah. <laughs> I
0: I mean it is, it is so obvious. Does do you think anybody believes that this administration is doing anything other than crippling the oil, oil industry?
3: I mean, do you have any research
0: well, you, or anything that shows perception from people?
3: Well, see, that, and that's a great question. You know, we we sit and we scratch our heads. We we, we say, are they doing this on purpose? or Are they doing this because they don't understand? And if they do it because they don't understand, then they're feckless. If they're doing it on purpose, then they're reckless. And that takes me back to my, my first point, you know. Um, this series of bad decisions, and and literally it's almost week by week. The reality is 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 uh you know, like I'd invite president if I had a poker night, I'd invite President Biden Biden to poker night because he is the worst poker player I've ever seen. <laughs> he sends mix he sends mixed messages all the time. And every single day that goes to the markets, and that's why the markets are, are fluctuating because they can't figure out exactly where the administration's going.
0: Well, wait, what, what is the mixed message here on oil and
3: gas? Great, you know, great question. OK, so on one hand, they say, well, you know, we're going to do everything we can to, to help consumers. And then literally the next day they will take an action that will constrain industry's ability to produce. The biggest, the biggest subtle signal Glenn goes to Wall Street con- continuously. Uh, they will, u- they're using financial rules. They're using the SEC, the Office of Comptroller Currency. They're using the FTC and others to send subtle messages to Wall Street to say, our policy says that you should not, you should not invest in fossil fuel Correct. projects. And so, it's really easy to send a bank examiner in to uh, a mid-sized bank and say, let me look at your portfolio. I see that you've got maybe 3% of your portfolio investing in in, uh, uh, fossil fuels. So what have you factored in the climate risk to that? And the the bank manager says, well, maybe not. And so he walks out and says, let's just unload this. And what's happening is you've seen a squeeze of liquidity, particularly for the smaller players on Wall Street, where they can't get their – capital expenditure budgets funded for the next couple of years because of the uncertainty the administration sends and it's and me- it's messages every day.
0: Well they they said the the administration or who was it Stu was it Kerry came out and said the especially the small producers we will put them out of business. Yeah. I mean yeah. that <laughs> how yeah, how how so, and how, and how much of our of our daily life is affected by the
3: small producers? By the it's about the same amount that is affected by a small farmer. To be honest with you, agriculture and and the oil and gas industry are very closely aligned in how they're how they structure. You have a few large large players in the ag industry, but it's the thousands and thousands of small farmers who actually make up the volume. And same with oil and gas, you have a few players that everybody identifies as big oil and beats them up. But the reality is, there's thousands of smaller companies who create who create tremendous volume. Uh, and add to the portfolio day by day. And it's those guys that are getting hit hardest when they can't get their their budgets uh, uh, approved by their lenders because Wall Street is, is telling them don't do it because the administration is telling Wall Street not to do it.
0: So I've been, I've been begging the audience to get their money out of these big lenders because of this and other things like it. They are fully in bed with the Great Reset and ESG standards, which will yeah. strangle all of us to death. Um, and, uh, and so I've been urging people, please tell them and then move your money to a local bank. Um, tell them why why you are taking your money out because of the ESG standards, you want nothing to do with it. It's not going to fix the problem, but it will certainly buy time and send a message hopefully to the market, the banking market. What else can we do?
3: Well, you know, keep using the product for sure.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think I have a choice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, you know, and and look, I, I I've been doing this a long time. I tell people it's a fool's errand to bet against this industry. Uh, it, it is cyclical in nature, and the reality is is that we produce exactly what people need, and we'll keep doing that regardless of who is who is dictating policy right now. There is a problem, though, Glenn, that that nobody talks about the White House. The White House. Avoids at all at all costs, and that is this issue of energy poverty. And you know, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to say that people use our product, but when the reality is, look, we're industries cognizant of of this fluctuating price mark and how hard it is for people. And energy poverty is something very very real. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there's a Gallup poll that came out last week that said 45 percent of Americans are reporting financial hardship yep. triggered by increased prices. Yep. Seven in ten lower American. Households are experiencing real hardship, and that's pushing millions of people back into what we're, what we're calling energy poverty. It's the, it, because you make rational decisions. Do I drive the 40 miles to the doctor? Do I do it on Tuesday or do I do it on Friday? Because I don't know if I can afford the fill up for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. That's really concerning to us, you know. And uh, I, I'm, um, really, industry- I'm really
0: concerned, very, really, very concerned, Tim, about this winter. I mean, there are a lot of people that, you know, use oil and gas for their furnace that are going to have to not not just say, do I go to the doctor, but do I turn the heat up? Um, exactly. And that's I mean, we are we're I don't think no one in the media and certainly no one in the administration is addressing this issue and they're pretending that it's not going to exist, but it is it's already
3: right. here. Right. And so, you know, if people say, well, what would you tell the administration to do? Glenn, I say, I would say if if I were to tell the president, say, look, whatever you're going to do, don't do it. In fact, (laughs) I need you to stop trying to help anymore. The biggest help you would do would be is to go back and undo what you've done since January. When I said, you know, I'm earlier, he's a he's a lousy poker player. All he would have to do to send a signal to the Saudis and the Russians, uh, if he were to stand up and say instead of, I'm going to release money or release oil out of the petroleum reserve or something else. If you were to stand up and say, I'm going to sign an executive order that removes all unnecessary regulatory impediments to industry and get us back to where we were two years ago, that would send an incredibly powerful uh, market signal. And I I guarantee you that prices would drop rapidly over the next few weeks. And those Americans would be able to afford it.
0: Tim, a couple of quick questions for you. When Barack Obama uh, stopped the drilling Uh, The deep sea drilling uh, in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. I remember uh, talking to oil experts and they said those things are on long term lease. You get rid of them. It's going to be a long time before they're able even to come back and you just don't build a new one quickly. Can we reverse this? Is there going to be damage done in the next three years that is irreversible?
3: Well, so give, give it to some perspective. When Obama took uh, office, uh, the the federal oil and natural gas production was about twenty four percent, or sorry, about thirty six percent. When he left, it had dropped uh, down to about twenty four percent, and natural gas had dropped to thirteen percent. And a lot of that is reflecting on not just the offshore, but also his onshore constraints. And uh, essentially, they devalued the federal oil and gas assets yeah. where it is almost worth nothing. The industry is very, very reticent to try and pursue any federal onshore leases in particular. Uh, it's just not worth the regulatory risk. Right. And locking up the capital for 16, 17 years.
0: Um, one last, uh, one last thing. Do you have any idea of what you think? I think gas is going to be, I mean, it just hit $5 a gallon in California this weekend. Any idea what we could be facing in the next few months?
3: Well, you know, a lot of that is so there's so many unknowns. I mean, with that COVID variant had caused a much greater uh, drop in, in crude prices than anything Biden did. Uh, but we imagine we're seeing production inventory start to stabilize. Um, from industry's perspective, we don't like oil that's in the $80 a barrel. It's too yeah, it's too uh, difficult for us. And so we're doing everything we can to, to get production up to where it needs to be, despite the federal uh, intervention yeah. that's there to keep us from doing that we're hopeful we get down to americans can get back to work and, and do what they need to do
0: tim stewart president of the u.s oil and gas association uh thank you for being on with us god bless you yeah, It was great you bet thanks man. Talk to you later. this is the best of the Glenn Beck program and don't forget rate us on itunes This is the Glenn Beck program. Um, Stu and I were just talking off air about the metaverse. And believe it or not, the metaverse is coming and we're going to be talking about it uh, beginning next year. Uh, But you ready for this land prices, (laughs) land prices in the metaverse? they are now going for as high as six million dollars. For a piece of land
2: that doesn't exist.
0: And I'm trying to get my arms around this uh, and find a way to explain it, um, because it is going to be a factor and it's going to happen much faster than anybody thinks. Uh, And you need to be prepared to to understand it, because if you're not going into the inner um, the metaverse, I guarantee your children will and it will become one of those. It will become something as, as essential, and I say that with air quotes, as essential as
1: a smartphone now. Yeah, because I don't like this version of the metaverse. Yeah, which I know. is where we just stare at our phones and and, and don't live talk to each other. Yeah, right. I don't even this like that. Is, let alone yeah. what this could be.
0: Well, let's go back to the real universe, mm. the the actual one where there are yet some consequences. Um. Chris Cuomo, the Fredo of the family, was put into the little boat and taken fishing by CNN this weekend.
1: That's nice. Yeah.
0: Nice little trip out to the water. Yeah, you should see the Godfather. Anyway, um, (laughs) so Fredo is out on the boat. And um, when they come, when, you know, the guy who took him fishing comes back and goes, I don't know what happened. He was uh, lost at sea along with my shotgun. Anyway, um, they don't say what Fredo did. To finally get him fired.
1: This is a really interesting part of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, we all know what Cuomo has done that should have gotten him fired. Correct. You know, everything from helping his brother to completely failing as a host, uh, to lying to the network, to lying to his own Audience to previous sexual harassment allegations that Correct. were confirmed, basically, by Chris Cuomo himself. Right, all of those things did not right. rise to no, the level for uh, nope for CNN to do anything. Now, eventually, they did suspend him, and they suspended him based on I think a couple of things. One, there were uh, there was some additional information that came out from the state of New York, and we covered this a little bit last week. Probably the worst part of this was he was actually targeting one of the women and calling sources to get information on one of the women. But that still wasn't bad enough for CNN. Right. Then he also was outed as lying not only to the audience, but but to the network itself. So it's one thing to actually break every journalistic piece mm-hmm. of ethics that's ever happened in the history of mankind, mm-hmm. where even their own, Jake Tapper himself came out and said, no journalist could possibly think this was okay. This is back in May, and they mm-hmm. still didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So he crosses this line where now he's not only lying to the audience and, you know, ruining journalism, but he's also now embarrassed his employers so and that's hard. Uh, Brian Stelter uh, came out
0: and said on Saturday uh, that Cuomo had quote caused so many headaches and many staff members at CNN were very unhappy
1: at their decision this is fascinating because number one stelter said earlier he'll be back in he'll be back in january he was the one person who was really kind of on the optimistic cuomo train here mm-hmm. that he might actually be back there's a lot of reporting that he was done with zucker because of have, the embarrassment he might have had a crush on him maybe he was thinking maybe somebody will grab my butt i i don't know some you people know. like different things yeah. we <laughs> do have the stelter uh, quote by the way it's, it's a this is clip uh, five uh listen to this
2: this is about a
1: confluence of factors mm. Mm-hmm. About a series of headaches that seemed like they were never going to end, I said on the air last night when the news broke. This seems like a case of death by a thousand
2: cuts, and my reporting sense backs that assessment up. This was about not any single headache but many headaches no. that continued to pile up
1: a hundred thousand in the demo'll we'll do that
0: to you yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah he was he was dying the
1: ratings were dying and anderson cooper came in and they went up which is not a huge surprise i suppose but i I think one of the uh issues here um which is bizarre is that the the last cut of the thousand cuts appears to be a brand new sexual harassment allegation against chris cuomo Mm. uh, that apparently has popped up over just the past few days And when it was reported to CNN, they said, "Okay, we just got to get this over with. We got to just we got to pull the plug on this. This is this is a disaster. Now, they don't want to go through another investigation on this, which is what they'd probably have to do. It comes through a prominent lawyer. Uh, We don't know any of the details really yet, although the two things that we know is that um, she's remaining anonymous and that it seemingly was pre 2013 so it's an older allegation, uh, not a brand new one. Well, how old were you when you were? In 2013. It seems you like were, ancient uh, history. It yeah, it d- actually, I will say it does feel like ancient history for other reasons, but yeah, not for an allegation like this.
0: So this this is coming from the woman who is representing the health policy advisor in Cuomo's administration. Mm-hmm. So that that lawyer was approached by this new person that said. I can't take it anymore. Yes. I'm watching him on TV saying these things. This is just like last week or the week before. And I cannot take it anymore. And went in and filed. And she's like, look, I just, I don't want I wasn't gonna attention. do attention. I don't mm-hmm. want anything. I just can't take his constant lies and his imaging of himself as a
1: saint. It's interesting that that has been a common trigger for these allegations you know it's one thing to go up there to to apparently just sexually harass people but it's later on you kind of have that uh, instance where the host is saying something on television and you know the 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 victim alleged victim is sitting at home and hearing wait a minute this is the same thing we heard with don lemon right don lemon had this incident reportedly Mm -hmm. with or you know allegedly with this guy at a bar i don't think it's a legend I, I i mean there's all kinds of people that were there he's denying it that so back it up uh, there but yes <laughs> okay. but there are there are there does seem to be a significant amount of evidence that at least the event occurred i mean yes. some of this other allegations on the side of that it's hard to know but at least that the event occurred in some form yes. anyway Uh, It wasn't until he went on the air and said, you know, correct, all these things about how allegations need to be taken seriously. And I've always stood up for women in these situations. It wasn't until that that the accuser came forward. Same thing here. We've seen this multiple times now where Andrew Cuomo himself, uh, the same thing happened to him where he uh, initially said to the first accusers, basically, I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? And took this high minded stance. And that that. Uh, inspired his other victims, uh, allegedly to come forward and say, okay, I wasn't gonna say anything, but now that you're doing this, I have to, which is <laughs> an amazing and, and and is so utterly predictable when you know the Cuomo's characters. I mean, I'm at the point, Glenn, I'm not going to have anybody to talk about anymore. They're all getting fired. I, <laughs> it is a 100% <laughs> unemployment rate, as the Babylon
0: B said. Yeah. In, the, in the Cuomo household, it's worse. It's 100% unemployment.
1: It is. It's sad. I mean, I, I feel like I. what am I going to do? I've based my household <laughs> budget on Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo merchandise. I have to reform my entire household budget. No, no, Kids no, aren't going no. to private school anymore sorry kids now they're collectibles oh now yes. they're
0: collectibles now they're collectibles by yeah. the way available
1: at andrew cuomo was awful.com or chris cuomo is worse.com <laughs> but you're right like it, it is at that point where it's it's so uh, over the top and you know the cuomo thing has gone down the the the, ro- the rails so fast remember this when andrew was going down when it was finally they came to the end of the road with andrew and they realized this is not savable One thing they did was to leak to every media source covering this before it happened. So it was in all the initial stories that Chris Cuomo actually was the one who pushed Andrew over the over the edge and said, you you must resign. It's time. Mm -hmm. They tried everything they could to save the secondary layer of Cuomo's from the fall of the first layer of Cuomo's. And they were unsuccessful in doing it. It, Chris was so out of control and so, acted so poorly throughout all of this that they couldn't even save him this after is a, <clears throat> uh, losing Andrew.
0: I think this is a really good development. Look, they say that, you know, CNN wasn't affected. CNN was greatly affected, greatly affected, not only in their credibility and exposed who they really are, because they still have Don Lemon and they have uh, what's his name? Jack. uh You know,
1: Jack uh, Jeffrey Tubin.
0: Yes, Jeffrey Tubin. So uh, <laughs> I, So anyway, uh, mm-hmm. they still have Tubin, and they still have Don Lemon. So they really they are they haven't changed. But the key is Andrew Cuomo, or I mean uh, uh, Chris Cuomo, had lost so many viewers. None of us are counted in that. L- I don't know of a soul. In this audience was like, you know, but I really liked Andrew Cuomo. I was watching that show no matter what anybody says. Yeah. No, that is hardcore CNN zombies. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, that audience was going away, went away, went away. That's a good thing. It shows that even the hardcore people are like, Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean I've hit my limits here. <laughs> I've, hit, <laughs> I've hit rock bottom. Yeah. I think I'm gonna
1: stop drinking this Kool-Aid. It is I think I think it's a positive. I I you know, I, I don't think they had any intention of getting rid of them rid, rid of him if they could have weathered it. And I think they hit that limit where even they said there's just no there's no argument anymore. It's possible that the leadership at CNN felt so personally burned by Andrew Cuomo after, embar- you know, it like, it's I like, think, when, remember Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton when she came out? She's like, it's a vast right wing conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it have proven obviously to be true. It was so embarrassing to Hillary. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone said at the time, like, I can't believe she's going to stay with him just because of that. It's mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. She, she made he made her go out in public and and defend him with what he knew was a lie. And I that is, I think, part of the thing. I honestly here.
0: think that they would have fired him if it was that before this. Mm-hmm. This is good. Now this. Right. It's too much. I, yeah. It's just I can't. I, what else is there going to be if we ignore this
1: one? What else is coming next? I think, and you listen to to Stelter's commentary on it. He's right, I think. Yeah, I this I, is the I, first I do, time. I do think he's right yeah, on the analysis time. there. They were so overwhelmed by his terrible behavior over such a long period of time, they eventually hit but, their wall. Any but normal, but normal the, journalistic organization would have hit it on day one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, it took yeah. them a year and a half. No, and, he hit.
0: The, he's like a crash test dummy that just. Put the car back into reverse, backed up and slammed against the wall over and over and over again. The front line, GM's like, OK,
2: all right, enough. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: Jason Buttrill is uh, with us now. Hello, Jason. Hello. How are you, sir?
4: Uh, Well, you know, I was fine until uh, you kind of read off that little list of everything going on in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was good until then, but aren't you glad that the grown-ups are now at the table? Oh, I I am. great. I am. It's really good. Boy, we're
0: being taken seriously around the world now.
4: (laughs) Yes, and you know, every time I think that I'm done looking at Ukraine, they just pull me right back
0: in. I just get pulled right back in. It's like Godfather 3. I was just about out, and they pulled
2: me back in.
4: This is interesting. So this came out i think it was the new york times uh that u.s intelligence has now said that 170,000 russian troops yes they'll be involved in an invasion they're saying as early as 2022 that's in a few months anytime in a few months (laughs) so like basically tomorrow yeah they're saying this could happen and it's a big deal and normally i would think eh, you know i I don't think putin would pull that trigger oh yeah he is i i think he's definitely at that point of course he will and you, you 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 can't blame him you look at the things that i mean I never would have thought Afghanistan would happen. It did happen. And normally I would give our leaders the benefit of the doubt on, well, something must have happened. No, no, no. I, I think that they're just actually incompetent. And I also think that they don't care because I think yeah. they want America to return to that mediocre less than mediocre status i I think that's what they are by the way
0: by the way this portion of the program brought to you by the let's go brandon sweatshirt (laughs) let's go brandon
1: available now at shop.theblaze.com or the actual address shop.blazemedia.com where you can use the code glenn20 for 20 percent or or walmart.com no. i'm sure they've got something too. i don't right? think so no 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 I don't uh-uh. think
0: so. all right shop what is it Shop dot the blaze no 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 shop shop dot dot blaze media blaze media.com and that's spelled d-o-t-c-o-m
4: anyway jason go ahead <laughs> i need a promo code that's yeah, not, I, yeah. I need a personal code. um glenn 20 glenn 20 yeah um, you look at some of the things that they've done that have completely undermined our ability to just even keep stability without having to send armed forces, things that we would not do if you were being serious, things were done in the Trump administration, but he never got credit for, like green lighting the pipeline that would completely circumvent Ukraine, yep. Nord Stream 2. Yep. We were like, why is he doing this? Like, what is, is, is he working on some other kind of backroom deal? Like, like if Trump would have done this, they said, oh, you know, he's, he's working with, Putin, with the Russians, working with the Russians, Putin's mm-hmm. bought him, you know, yeah. But Biden did that, and it completely kind of gave up the Trump card that Ukraine had in some kind of stability. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing stopping Putin from just rolling straight through, if he wanted to, was he would be just as decimated as Ukraine would be, you know, economically. But now that's, that's gone away. And all of these Eastern Bloc
0: countries that were on the edge, uh, Poland, Transylvania, and others are they're all they're begging us they're all saying this is trouble this is trouble you can't let him take uh the ukraine
4: please because he's threatening all of them yeah um the uh ukrainian defense minister this is how dire they see their situation right now just said uh i think yesterday that he wants u.s canadian and british troops not a chance an actual physical presence on the front line to deter what's about to happen so they, they see this. They see the writing of the wall. They see this is coming. Um, it this is, is coming, but we won't. We're not coming. So there's seventy thousand troops on the border right now. That's that's a, that's a conservative estimate. There could be as much as ninety thousand. That hundred and seventy thousand troops. And just put these numbers into context. That's more than the entire United Kingdom military. Not just military army, marines, whatever. The entire military. Wow. That's the type of numbers we're looking that's at. That's how
0: weak england is and we haven't taken them yet right we need to correct that i mean that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> it's, we could have it's that right whole, for the taking
4: the queen would be ours <laughs> <laughs> um yes i i see this as similar to if you want to look at this in context uh, like a 2008 georgia situation now i think yep. that i think that putin did that specifically because of ukraine what was going on in ukraine mm-hmm. that's when you started seeing those color revolutions mm-hmm. popping up they were George Soros and our State Department was part of. Right, exactly. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and was a part of through 2014. Yep. Um, But it was a direct message for him to say, look, if you think that you're going to take a country that we believe is ours, if you think NATO and the United States can protect you, they can't. What are they going to do? They're trying to get in bed with Georgia. We'll just invade Georgia. They did it. We couldn't do a thing about it. It's exactly the same thing that's going to happen to Ukraine. Now is the time for him to deliver that message. If you believe anywhere in the world that a U.S. guarantee of security means anything at all. No. And think of that. Taiwan. Taiwan. Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, Any of these Eastern Bloc countries that we say, don't worry, we got you, bro. Let's see what they're going to do. Australia. Australia. If things,
0: if things, if they take Taiwan, everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. And I don't I I mean, Mr. Neocon Jason, I'm (laughs) sure you want war all the time, but uh, I don't want to go into Ukraine. Uh, But I'm telling you, the result is going to be they're going to take Ukraine. They'll end up they'll just start moving forward because once you let Ukraine go, once you let Ukraine go, China will take Taiwan Mm.
4: because we're sending the signal: United States is done. And and now you see one of the other tragedies of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. We told them we'd be there for them. We'd protect the people that we said that we were going to protect. And instead, they go, "No, no." I mean, I'm not saying, and no, I don't want war. I don't want U.S. troops to no, go into no. Ukraine. We've but,
0: gone. We've gone
4: over and over on this. I
0: want to stop being everywhere all the yeah, time. Absolutely. I want to be where we should be strategically,
4: with a very big stick.
0: And we're sitting back going, no, don't do
4: that. Right. But there's, there's things diplomatically that we can do to ensure that these things don't come to a head, that the administration is just bungling like Nord Stream 2. Why would you do that? Those are the things that ensure that our men and women don't have to go fight. Correct. Those types of things. But they're not doing them. They're going in the opposite direction. So it makes you wonder, I mean, are they that stupid? Probably yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. But they also are that anti-American. Yeah, and that is the global agenda right now: mm-hmm. is to mediocre the entire world. We are too powerful. Our own countrymen don't like that. They want us to get. Sk- they want us to take a few shots. They want us to step back more and more and more. Not in the way that like we want to step back, and yeah. you know, receive. But and- I want to step back without
0: making the world more dangerous. Yeah, you know, and you can do that. You just have to realize it's been a hundred years in the making. It's going to take a few years and really good strategic planning to be able to back out. Yeah. And we need to be backing
4: out, but not giving the world over to Russia and China. Right. Um, I'd love to put these things in the context of the adversary and to see, because like, I think a lot of people and a lot of people are asking me on Twitter, what, what is the goal here? Why is Russia doing this? And you, I mean, I've done a lot of research on Ukraine through the years for you. We did yeah. this, I think, in 2014-ish or something like yeah. that, talking about when Crimea was invaded. Right. And this is the national, this is the soul. This is the yeah. spiritual soul yep. of Russia. There would probably be no Russian nation without Ukraine. Yeah. That's how serious it is for them. And I think most Russians don't want a prolonged fight. But there was a very large nationalist that, you know, nationalized, you know, Population in Russia Mm -hmm. that they see that's how they feel, and Putin knows this. And they always do this throughout the centuries. They, you know, every leader knows how to turn up the dial on nationalism, whether it's the Orthodox Church, whether it's like Ukraine, Belarus, they know what to do. The thing that's scary now is Putin's hitting up all of them right now. Is he hitting up the Orthodox Church? Hitting up the Orthodox Church. That's really dangerous. Um, Belarus, which they believe is Russia, and Ukraine, which they believe is Russia. So they're turning those dials. Look, so what's going to happen? I think that's the big question right now. What happens if they invade? I see a couple of different outcomes. Now, we could see exactly the same thing as we saw in, in Crimea, Basically, Russia was already there. So all they did was send in their little, you know, little green men. Yep. There was not much, not not much shots fired Mm -hmm. and they just took it. Right now, Russia already is involved in a hot war in eastern Ukraine. It's not reported anywhere, which is a tragedy. Ukrainians are dying probably daily. Nobody reports on it. And it's been going on since 2014. Mm -hmm. It's one of the sadder things in the world right now. It's one of the reasons why the guy
0: from Gazprom was i mean when we when we looked at you know where not gazprom um the one that hunter biden was with oh burisma uh, yeah burisma one of the things that guy was doing was building an army for on the russian front if you will in ukraine he was using some of that money that that we gave to burisma uh it just suddenly disappeared and we had evidence that some of that money was going to fight that war it's been going on and on and on and on and we just can't i guess we just can't decide which side we're on
4: yeah uh, a billionaire governor that that, that was absolutely yeah. insane and yeah. you know i mean we were working with them the people that are in the administration right now biden the point man for ukraine they know russia i mean putin is a very vindictive guy right mm-hmm. he wants revenge he knows that those people in power were the ones that facilitated the taking of Ukraine from him. Yeah. So now is the time if you want to do something. So what do you think that Biden is going to do? He's kind of backed himself into a corner on this. I mean, it really was. He had some leeway with the pipeline. Doesn't have that anymore. I, I, so he has a call with Putin tomorrow. Um, they're supposed to call and My discuss gosh. Ukraine. This is tomorrow. This is Tuesday. So Can everyone needs to watch what this. what that's
0: going to be like? not
1: how we're doing the la- <laughs> so embarrassing i mean it's so embarrassing to so talk about any of this stuff you just feel like as much as we don't like him and his for his policies it's terrifying as a nation to have a guy at the wheel who's literally asleep i mean he's falling asleep in yeah. these meetings at least you know, and there's some reporting and, on and that. to
0: be on the phone with 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 putin putin is i mean he was playing three-dimensional chess he plays
1: that kind of chess yeah, he, you know in his sleep against someone who's sharp he's difficult to defeat here's a situation where you have someone who is as dull as dullards
0: can be but you know what i would rather have biden dealing with him than kamala can you imagine kamala harris on the phone
1: with oh Putin this is just oh my god this is terrible option versus terrible option would she
4: just cackle and dance or something like <laughs> yeah. that when she got when she was like I don't know how to kill <laughs> <and my question>. <laughs> 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 um, but to answer your question I think that uh, I think that he's going to be forced and do big concessions on that call tomorrow mm. um, that's and what what
0: are the concessions
4: I know that they don't want any kind of NATO involvement in Ukraine whatsoever. That's a big red line for him. He's going to have to back down, or hopefully, he can convince the rest of NATO to back down. Well, if that. he
0: backs down, if NATO decides to back down, does he still go in and take Ukraine?
4: Yes, I believe he will. Anyway oh my gosh! Well, then why, I mean, they basically already control it, but the, the 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 final step will just be. And this, I think, the best case scenario is he just moves his troops into eastern Ukraine, formally annexes, and waits for his next, you know move further into ukraine
0: yeah all he has to do is really go and sow the seeds of chaos in ukraine i mean that's that is the playbook of the former soviet union and then he can just go in with his tanks and saying i'm just repatriating and i'm just trying to keep the peace in ukraine because it's so out of control
4: right yeah and, and i say best case scenario that that's only best case not for ukraine but best case for the immediate you know no bloodshed scenario um, that that happens. And it's, it's like it's a Ukraine, it's a Crimea part two. So then let me take let me take you
0: to the next uh, phase that happens first. Now let's go to Jeddah. So let's say he goes in and uh, he just annexes Ukraine and we do nothing and NATO does nothing. What does that tell China?
4: It tells them exactly what they learned from Afghanistan. That a U.S. guarantee in certain areas means nothing. Threats mean nothing. Um, And the Taiwan thing is a whole lot larger, I think, for the Taiwan
0: is a knockout punch for the Western world Mm. because they are the number one maker of chips. China is number two. If China takes Taiwan, they dwarf everybody and you don't have chips for, you know, 80 percent of what we need chips for.
4: The Ch- Taiwan and, and Ukraine are very interesting because they're kind of similar in the fact that those are American interests that will draw the United States into a larger war. I'll explain as quickly as I can. But the last time someone went after the middle part of Central Europe, uh, Ukraine, those other countries, the United States have, has gone to war to fight to make sure they don't control that area. Um, it's one of the largest resource areas in the world that can challenge the United States. If one, that that's what brought us into World War One, World mm-hmm. War Two and the cold war because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's a prelude to something larger. And Taiwan is the same thing. Whoever can if China controls Taiwan, they're going to move on and conti- and try to take over the Pacific. You and I That have, is US interest.
0: You and I have talked about this for years mm. that the ground is being laid for World War 3, the next global conflict. And we're seeing it right now. It is Ukraine and Taiwan. It's those two. That are going to play, or I should say, Russia and China. That is the axis power. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I think they think the time to do it is right now. And I, I, quite honestly, I think they're right. I have no. Do you have faith in the leadership at the uh, of the Pentagon? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I would not put my son in the military now. No way. No way do I want my son in the military. If that's the leadership, we yeah. will get them killed, mm-hmm. get them killed. So I have no faith in the administration. I have no faith in the Pentagon. And I think Russia and China know that because they, it's, we are absolutely a paper tiger right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Iran, one last thing, they're now saying they want a better deal than what Obama gave them. And remember, Obama just flew a whole bunch of money and landed it and, and put it on a pallet there at the airport for him
4: and gave them a deal that was time gated so they can still pursue a bomb if they wanted to. While at the same time, do whatever they want with rocket technology, do whatever they want with funding all these different militias to overthrow countries like Hezbollah. Um, yeah, they want a better deal than that. That's insane. I, I, if I was the president, I would just step away from the negotiating table and then reinsert. But What is he going to do? always oh, you know that's what they want uh right after he became uh right after the election he reassigned a, a large Iran you know table of diplomats to, to start pursuing the the deal again it's, <laughs> it's like with it's friends insane. with friends and presidents like
0: this who needs enemies
2: no <laughs> <laughs>